This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, I'm going to give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. Okay. Oh, wait. And also, once again, we're going to talk about what happened at this week's crazy, crazy challenge. Okay, tip number one, something I am experimenting with or reintroducing it to my training program. I am reintroducing partial rep range sit-ups. All right, so partial rep range sit-ups. But wait, coach, aren't you the I don't do sit-up guy? Aren't you the anti-rotational core work guy? Uh, yes and yes, I am a big fan of power folds. I am a big fan of planks. I am a big fan of making those things as challenging as possible. And I have always preached, well not always, but I've preached for a very long time, maybe the last 15 to 20 years, that doing a full rep range sit-up is not really that good for you because it could put stress on your lower back. But since I've been doing my uh, morning flex, and that's people that don't know, people that just start listening to the podcast today, the morning flex is when I wake up, I go into the mirror, and I flex for about maybe two minutes. It may seem vain, but I do believe that there is a mind-muscle connection, and I do believe that there are, there's some intrinsic value to waking up in the morning and trying to see the product or the result of all your hard work. It's also a motivator. Where like maybe the night before I'm like, ah, I shouldn't do this because the morning flex isn't going to look that great. Anyway, because of the morning flex, I've wanted to dedicate a little bit of time, not a lot, a little bit of time to enhancing the size or the shape of my abs. Because I'm starting to see a little bit, first time in my life, starting to see a little bit. And the anti-rotational work, it's, in my, for at least the research I've done, it's, it's not going to be the greatest thing to help you get definition in your abs. It's going to make your core strong, and yes, shedding body fat will make your abs look better. Absolutely. I'm just saying to get a little bit of refinement to it, I wanted to do some quote-unquote ab work. So to do that, I am doing partial rep range sit-ups. A partial rep range sit-up. So what's a partial rep range sit-up? It means that if you're doing a sit-up, you want to do it where you're not coming all the way up. Like the oldie school, put your hands, both hands behind your head and drive your chest to your knees. No, you're not, I'm not doing that. I'm probably getting my chest about, I don't know, six to eight inches off the ground. And I'm going no further than that. That's it. I'm going up and down, and I'm holding it at the top, or I'm coming down real slowly, you know, doing it for time, doing it about 30 seconds, bracing, bracing my body, just like we do on a Pavlov press, but again, it's not a full range sit-up. Okay, now tip number two, this is the exercise tip, and it's going to go along with that. If you are doing abs, a good technique is to put your hand on your abs, one of your hands anyway, while you're doing the ab work. So this way, you can actually feel and force your muscles to contract while you're doing that ab work. 
So it's a good technique for anything you can do as long as it's not messing up your form, but it's, so it's relatively easy with abdominal work. Just come up to the top of that sit-up, squeeze, you know, touch those abs, feel inside between the, the first cube and the second cube. It's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. You might have some body fat on top of it, but it's in there somewhere. So that is the exercise tip, and it really helps reinforce what you're trying to do with that partial rep range sit-up. Okay, tip number three, a quote that I've been thinking about. I actually saw this on Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday, which many of you already know has inspired the six-minute Monday that we used to do and is now incorporated into this podcast. Anyway, here was the quote. Forgiveness is accepting an apology that you will never get. <laughs> I'll say it again. Forgiveness is, an ex- is accepting an apology you will never get. So think about that one. I don't need to explain it too much. Just think about it, how it may apply to your own life. Okay, tip number four, something that I'm listening to that moved me. So a couple times a week when I am meditating, I use Calm as my meditation app. What I will listen to is something called the dailies, and there's something called the daily Calm. Uh, or, and there's a guy named Jay, and there's something called the daily Jay, where Jay is going to talk you through some life lesson. And something that this guy Jay talked about was, he said, ride your wave. And he, what he was saying was, think about a surfer. A surfer sits out on the ocean, and they have their surfboard, and maybe they're a skilled surfer, and but maybe they just don't have a good wave that day. There's no way for them to, to really showcase their talent or get the most out of their potential because the waves aren't that good. And what he's saying is that you really need to... to to maximize any opportunity, you need to have the right training and the right situation and the right environment. So people, if you're if you are struggling, if you're in a situation where you're like, man, I'm doing everything right, but it's just not working out. I'm doing everything right at work, but I, I'm not getting that promotion or nobody's recognizing me. Man, I'm doing everything right as a coach, but I'm not, maybe I'm just not getting en- enough uh, clients or I'm not getting enough followers. Whatever it is that you're looking for, just ride your wave. Like I'm not saying just sit and wait. you got to enhance your training. you got to make yourself the best you can be. But sometimes you need that wave. You got to find that wave and ride that wave, and then it's going to amplify whatever it is that you're trying to do. So don't get discouraged. Keep going with your training. If you believe in what you're doing, that wave is going to come. Find that wave, and when you find that wave, have the courage to get on that wave, and then that's when you're going to maximize what you're trying to do. Okay, so good job, Jay. I like that one. Got me all pumped up. I'm pretty sure I shouldn't get pumped up during uh, meditation as I'm trying to relax. Okay, tip number five. This is a productivity tip. Tip number five. It's a productivity tip. Okay, (laughs) when you are right, it's kind of a quote, but it's a productivity tip. When you are right, sorry, speak confidently as if you are right. So when you're speaking, speak with confidence and speak as if you are right. And it's something we tell our players all the time. If we say, uh, what's your coverage in Clubber? Uh, I do this. Well, say it like you mean it. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you want to shout out on a rooftop, right? And that that every all your other teammates believe that you're actually going to execute that that technique. So when you're speaking, speak as confidently as if you were right. But when you're listening, this is the flip side. Listen as carefully as if you are wrong. So listening is not a passive skill. It's an active skill. It may be the most active skill that you you can have. This is you retrieving information. So when you speak, speak confidently, and you should probably speak less than you listen. And when you listen, listen as if you don't know. Because again, if you listen as if you already know, and you really don't listen, then you cannot learn. So that is my productivity tip 
to you. And tip number six, the strangest thing that I saw all week, and this is getting very strange. But now, I think I told you guys that I instead of doing uh, traditional trap bar deadlifts or barbell deadlifts, I am now temporarily doing one-arm farmer's walk deadlifts in my, in my gym, in my home gym. Why? Because uh, Joe Marechko set the world on fire when he decided to carry... I don't know how much weight it was, but like 175, 180 pounds on the farmer's walk, 65 yards. So that really bothered me. So I want to up my my potential to pick up that farmer's walk. So I'm doing a farmer's walk deadlift to get better at farmer's walks because to me, the hardest part is just getting the thing off the ground. Anyway, the weirdest thing is that now my right arm is weaker than my left arm. That's right. My right arm is weaker than my left arm. And I, for whatever reason... I believe it's not about my right hand grip strength because forever I could not do the farmer's walk with my left hand. Now I could pick up way more weight. I'm saying 10 to 20 more pounds in my left hand than my right hand. But I think, and I could be wrong, that the key is is that because I cannot straighten out my right arm, that it's really about the – we've talked about this in other podcasts. And I'm working on it. I am on breaking that chain of pain that's in my right arm. But I cannot fully straighten it out. I believe that now that I'm getting into this ultra heavy weight, at least for me, uh, when I'm getting into this ultra heavy weight, it's harder for me to get the leverage to pick up that farmer's walk with my right hand because my arm is not completely straight. So I'm losing a couple of inches getting down to getting that barbell. As anybody knows with deadlifting, the the longer your arms are, the more effective you're going to be because you can get into a better position to grab that barbell. Anyway, so right now my right arm is about 20 pounds weaker than my left arm. Very weird. Very weird. Okay, let's get into this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. All right, the first thing I got to say is that when I make podcasts, here is the train of thought that I have. One, would I listen to it? And the answer is yes. I actually do listen to my old podcast every now and again to learn, to, to relive moments. But to me, when I make the podcast, it's yeah, it would, is this something that is going to help me develop and grow as a person? Is this something that I would actually listen to to help me develop and grow as a person? Or maybe entertain me? Thing number two is, would the guys I train right now listen to it? The answer to both of those questions has to be yes, right? If I don't say yes to both of those things, then I don't make the podcast. What I am completely forgetting is that there is an audience of people out there, and a pretty big one, because I'm looking at it again. There's about 50 countries of people listening to this podcast. Why, I don't know, but thank you very much for listening to it, is that sometimes I gloss over facts that or things that people really want to know about, and I, I wouldn't know this unless I got some good feedback. So once again, once again, Coach Manos gave me feedback this past weekend, saying, "Look, uh, tell us a little more about the story," because to, to people that are just listening in on the challenges, and I really thought that no one was going to listen or care about the challenges, but people do. If when you're telling us about these challenges, it's like watching Survivor, and we we want to know more about the people, and you know why are you rushing through some of these challenges. So. Tell me a little bit of a backstory about the competitors. I, I want to know this stuff because it's it's exciting. So I'm going to expand on this a little more. And again, if everybody's your audience, nobody's your audience. But I do want to expand on some of this stuff a little more because I think it still will fit in parts number one and parts number two as we're talking through this challenge. Part number one, would I, would I listen to it? Yes. Part number two, would our guys listen to it? I'm sure they're going to want to hear more about themselves anyway. So let's get into this weekend's tag team challenge. Sorry, no longer tag team challenge. Head-to-head challenge. And we're going to dig into a little bit more of the details on the people as we go through the challenge. So where are we at with this challenge? Well, as I said last week, we had this 16 bracket, 16 uh, team or 16 person NCAA style playoff bracket. We had eight slots on the left, eight slots on the right, and we were going to break it down to where there was a Sweet 16, an Elite Eight, a Final Four, and then a Championship round. 
<clears throat> and the way we did it was we said, okay, with the Sweet 16, four people are not involved. So now it becomes basically a 12. We wanted the one through four seeds to get a bye, so only 12 people made it into the playoffs. So we had our Sweet 16, that we had this issue with people being able to show up to the workout. So we only did the left side of the bracket. We did both their Elite Eight and the Final Four Championship last week. And we talked about that last week. If you want to hear about it, go listen to last week's episode. This week, we went to the right side of the bracket, and we were doing the same exact challenge for the Elite Eight and the Final Four. And to make it even, I guess, uh, more quasi-consistent, we did it with the same workout beforehand. Now, if you remember last week, last week we called last week's workout uh, the Scorched Earth Saturday and Soft Saturday because a lot of guys had to miss, and some guys did miss. Well, ho- thankfully, I didn't have to call this weekend Soft Saturday because we didn't have a single soft person in the group. People that missed gave you that eight hours of advance notice. Everybody else who said they were going to be there was there. Having said that, Mother Nature made very well sure that we, c- we had the consistency of the Scorched Earth Saturday. It might have been worse. The ground might have been worse this Saturday than it was last Saturday. Like, the, the prowler was tough to move without any weight on it, let alone the, the weight that we put on it. So we did the same exact workout, which was once again completely and totally miserable. Like, you're really pushing yourself to get through this workout, and I wanted to do everything the same so that we could in some way compare apples to apples when we were looking at the right side of the brackets numbers versus the left side of the brackets, brackets numbers. Now, did it totally matter? No, because it it doesn't. It all matters is who wins each head-to-head competition. But for me, I wanted to make things as, as similar as possible so there wouldn't be any complaining from the group. And we can get as close of a comparison as possible between the left side of the bracket and the right side of the bracket. So we do the same workout, and now let's get into the actual challenge. And it's just going to be a reminder for people what the challenge was and who's going. So the first challenge, the Elite Eight challenge, is you go to the middle of this field. This is a big giant circle of the field. The prowler is waiting for you there. You're going to take the high handles of that prowler and push the prowler all the way around that big circle until you get to the halfway mark. When you, there's a line going across midfield. When you get across midfield, you go to the low handles of the prowler. You jump to the other side of that prowler. You push it all the way back. And there's this, that circle, there's a white line that shows you where the circle is. And the rule is that that, your, that prowler can touch that white line, but it can't go over that white, white line. It can touch it, but it can't go over it. Because if it goes over it, then you're really shortening the distance of the circle that you're going. So if you go over the white line, I give you a one-second penalty. All right? Having said that, when you get back with a low-handle prowler to the start point where you came from. So you go high handles, turn it around, go low handles, go back to where you came from. Then you are going to do a 25-yard slider, a double-leg slider. So this is awful. You're already exhausted. Guys are already shot from the workout itself. And now you have to go do this entire challenge. So the first group that goes up, the first head-to-head, is Pete Raji versus Brian Weintraub. Pete Baraji versus Brian Weintraub. Brian Weintraub, a.k.a. the future. Pete Baraji, a guy who's been, he's the number three seed. He's been dominating throughout challenges. I think he might have had one loss, maybe two losses the entire season, but he was like a top three guy. Uh, Sick, sick competition. So Baraji, I say, Baraji, you have to make two choices right now. And the reason I'm giving him the choices is because if you think back to the last two weeks, Baraji was a good guy. What, he, what happened was the future, a.k.a. Weintraub, or Weintraub, a.k.a. the future, was going on a bachelor party with Shalasi 
and they couldn't attend the, the, the challenge. They couldn't attend the playoffs. So they said, what can we do? And Baraji said, don't worry, let's kick it back a week until you're there. So Baraji was a good guy, he's a rare breed, and he could have just said, no, screw it, you're out. I'm getting an, a, a, a buy right into the championship. But he didn't say that. He wants to win. He's a competitor. He wouldn't feel good about himself if he just skated into the, the, the cha- championship round. So he said, you know what, future, I'll wait and we'll go. So I said, Baraji, thinking in my mind, because you did that, I'm going to give you two choices. Choice number one is, do you want you and Weintraub to go first, or do you want the other two competitors to go first? That's Yurchek and Shalasi. And there's a lot of strategy involved in this, right? Because you're just coming out of your workout, so you're tired. But then after this Elite Eight, you're going right into the next challenge of the Final Four. And Baraji's already seen it. He's seen the carnage that happened the week before. He's seen how exhausted guys were from going from one challenge to another. He saw Wallen do really well at the first challenge. And then he just had Jelly Lake Syndrome for the second challenge. And Galley, who got a bye because his guy didn't show up, he got a bye into the Final Four. He kind of just breezed through it. So Baraji has to make that choice if his team wants to go first or second. Right? Or if it's not his team. His competition goes first or second. And then the second choice, let me get to that point, is why do you make this choice? Well, the choice is, well, if I win, do I get a longer break if my competition is first or second? The break might be big. It might be big for the rest that I'm going to get before I have to go into this final four. So Baraji says, we're going to go first. All right, so now we got Baraji versus Future. They're going first. Next part, Baraji, do you want to go first or second in this head-to-head competition against Future. He says, first. And I'm looking at his strategy, and I'm thinking, this could be good. Because now if he wins, he gets a nice long rest before the Final Four competition. Because if he, if he goes first, then three other people have to do the same exact challenge, and he gets this rest while they're doing that challenge before they work their way into the Final Four competition. So Baraji says, I want to go first. But then I'm also thinking, and I'm a good, I'm really good at second guessing and being a devil's advocate. I'm not good at many things, but I'm good at that. Thinking, all right, is he still shot from the actual workout that we just did? Could he use an extra couple of minutes to regroup and get himself back together? Because this thing was rough. It was brutal. Anyway, Baraji goes first, and to be fair, he absolutely crushes it. So last week, you know, Wallen, Marechko couldn't finish this challenge. Marechko's a dude. He was the number one seed. Wallen got like in the, the 130s, 140s, 1 minute and 30. Baraji gets it in 52 seconds. In 52 seconds, Baraji just completely and totally annihilates this challenge. And I'm thinking, great job, Pete. You killed the challenge. And now you're going to have this nice long break until you get into the final four. But then, Brian Weintraub, a.k.a. the future. This guy, I mean, you could just tell that he he's just a different a different type of dude, man. Uh, I mean, Baraji's a beast, and this Weintraub just, I don't know what it is. He, he, look, he, he's, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like he's putting in a million mile an hour effort. He's just, it seems like a smoothness to what he's doing, but he's going fast. So he gets, he hits the high handle of the prowler, turns around, it's the low handle of the prowler, and he gets to the sliders at exactly the same time that Baraji gets there. They both get there at 30 seconds. So now this really comes to who's got the juice in the tank to finish the slider portion. That's right, 30 seconds they both got to this thing, which is sick. And Future gets on the sliders and just smooth. Just no, not exhausted, no breaks, just, just smooth. Doesn't look tired, doesn't look pumped. 
poof, just smooth right through the end. And Future, he knocks this thing out in 46 seconds. Now, I talked about the Prowler going over the line. He did twice, go two times he went over the line with the Prowler. So I had to add two seconds to it. But again, he knocks this thing out in 48 seconds, which is completely and totally sick. For reference, let's go back to Wallen, who did really well. He got it in 138. Same workout, pretty much the same weather conditions, same weight. Weintraub kills it in 48 seconds. Wow, so Weintraub, congratulations. Now you make it into the Final Four. So now we're going to go to the second group. The second group. We have Shalasi and we have Yurchek. Yurchek, remember, is our uh, college football player. He's playing for the College of New Jersey. He's this big, tall dude. Uh, Blanco calls him a... Uh, a Canadian hockey player. He's got long hair. He's like 6'4". Again, he, he he looks like nothing else. You know, our group was about, usually about between 5'8 and 5'10 guys. We all look like we could, we played linebacker at St. Joseph-by-the-Sea, which most of and all of us actually did. Anyway, your check just looks like a, a guy that he just he just doesn't belong with our group. But, man, does he belong with our group. So, your check, he's the number four seat. We say, your check, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do here? Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? You get the choice. You're the higher seed to the victor go the spoils. Your check says, I want to go first. Smart guy. Young kid. Smart. Smart. Because he's also realizing, I don't want to go second. If I win, then I got to immediately go into this final four challenge. Like, I don't want to do that. So your check, he goes first, and he obliterates the prowler. Like, it explodes. Uh, I, you know, this thing is hard. Baraji is a dude. Weintraub is a dude. They move this Prowler better than people I've seen moving in this challenge before. And bang! They, he blows this thing up. It actually comes off the ground. He goes all the way, finishes the high handle portion, gets across the line, <clears throat> and goes to the low handle. Now, while he's on the high handle, he's getting dangerously close to going over the line of the circle. So I say to Yurchek, Yurchek, just be careful with that line. For whatever reason... He's already like two yards past. He's on a low handle. He goes two yards past midfield. For whatever reason, he thinks I mean be careful with the, the end line. I already gave him the clear. He pulls the prowler backwards back across the line and starts over again. I don't know why he did that, but he did it. He probably misunderstood what I said. Anyway, it doesn't seem to set him back at all. He had to pull the prowler backwards two yards, then go, boom, he bangs this prowler, gets all the way to the sliders, and he gets there in about 27 seconds. Now, during this time, he did cross that white line of the circle once. So I got to add a, a second to his time. One second penalty to his time. Remember, Weintraub did it twice. He did it once. He gets to the sliders, and uh, just like Weintraub, but you could see there's a difference. Weintraub is just smooth. There's minimal effort going in. He's flowing, and Yurchek is giving it everything he's got. And Joe Derrida is screaming at him. So Joe Derrida lives right next door to Weintraub. Joe Derrida, he's the reason... Sorry, he lives right next door to Yurchek. Joe Derrida is the reason Yurchek is in this training group. Joe Derrida has been talking about Yurchek for years to me. My neighbor, he's a football player. We got to coach him up. We got to make him better. We got to give him every opportunity. Joe Derrida has stepped in to be like uh, this guy's personal coach. And who's better to live next door to than Joe Derrida? If you know Joe Derrida, he was the, the first center that I've ever coached on a high school football team. Actually, I really didn't coach him. I was a defensive guy, but he was an offensive guy. And He's the type of center you want. He would sprint out of the huddle to the line of scrimmage. Just put the fear of God in that nose tackle or that, that 
whatever it is, that one tech. Like, I'm coming for you. You're not coming for me. I'm coming for you. He's a no-nonsense, gritty, tough guy. And he lives right next to Yurchek. Anyway, as Yurchek is about to get on the sliders, Joe is just yelling at him, You want to play college football? You want to play college football? Let's go. What do you got? He's in his head. He's getting me fired up. I'm not even going. And Yurchek, boom, he finishes in 47.21 seconds. Bang, that's, that's sick for a rookie. You know, this is the youngest guy there. He's going against grown men. He finishes in 47.21 seconds. But I got to tack on a second for his time. And Shalasi, his competitor, was kind enough to remind me. Hey, wasn't there a second there? Okay, Shalasi's a smart dude. He's a super smart dude. All right, Shalasi, you're right. It's 48.21. So now Shalasi's going to go. Shalasi, he was, let me just check my numbers here. He was the number seven seed. Shalasi was the, the captain of the unreliables. He, last year, I had him slated as one of the, the best people. I thought he was going to be a runner, like a top guy for the challenge, and one of the top people for the challenge. So remember that Shalasi beat Carroll last week. I think he had the, the best number of anybody in that, uh, sweet, sorry, in that uh, sweet 16 challenge. Anyway, Shalasi goes and talk about a different level. I'm not even going to talk about what he did because he did it so fast you might have missed it. He finishes in 42.3 seconds. That's right. As even though Future got it, it looked like there was minimal effort involved, and he was smooth and finished in 48. This guy beats him in almost seven seconds, or maybe almost six. Yeah, almost six seconds. So Shalasi puts on this show, 42.37 seconds. He just completely and totally destroys it. It's almost a minute faster than Wallen did it. Sorry, Wallen. I know we gave you a lot of respect last week, but I'm not giving you a hard time now. I'm just put, making this all relative. So Shalasi completely and totally. He sends a message to everybody. Like, it was a message to the world. Like, man, this is, I'm pretty good. And during the workout, this is also true, is that guys are shot, and I'm just watching Shalasi go. And he's just exploding through the workout. And guys, all I keep hearing is, damn, Shalasi. Damn, Shalasi. It was, like, it was like he was on a different turf than everybody else. We had scorched earth, and he was on ice skates, right? So he finishes in 42.37 seconds. But we got to go into a Final Four, and Shalasi is now on the floor. He can't move. Weintraub looks like he can't move. Apparently, these guys just both sold out. Even though Weintraub didn't look like it, they both just gave it everything they had. So these two guys who went to, I believe it was Nashville, on a bachelor party, you know, I'm sure Yurchik and Baraji were hoping that they were just making themselves worse the whole time. They come back, and they get the win. So, Baraji, I, I tip my hat to you for being a good guy and allowing this to happen. Uh, Yurchik, you were probably a victim of the circumstances because you had to go to a, a college football event. But for, uh, anyway, the two guys that went, they are now going into the final four on the right side of the bracket. So now we're going to have Weintraub versus Shalasi. I set up the drill. The drill is going to be, there is a sled with 108, no, 200 pounds on the sled. There's a 20-foot chain attached to that sled. You're going to lay down with your nose right in front of that sled. On my go, you're going to get up. You're going to sprint to the other end of that sled where the chain is finished. You're going to sit on a bucket and pull that sled into you. Then you're going to get up from that bucket and sprint to your right. There's a cone there. You're going to run around that cone and then make a hard left and sprint 20 yards down the field to your left. You're going to go on the outside of that cone, put your foot in the ground, sprint to your right, and then there's going to be two sliders waiting for you, and you're going to slide 20 yards back to where you just came from. That's the challenge. I explain the challenge, and I look up, and uh, Shalasi has both hands on a pole. Looks like he's about to the projectile vomit. He looks up and gives me like the, the no boss. Like, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. So I'm like, Shalasi, that's not the way it is. I said, Why, Trop? Do you want to go first or second? He said, Coach, I'll go first. 
Now this is big. This guy is going head to head with his buddy, and he said, "I'll go first." And I, I, my only thought is he just wants to give his buddy Shalasi a break. But it's big because the winner's going to the championship. Shalasi goes, "I'm out." Like, Shalasi, let him just go. Let him go. Then figure it out. So Weintraub goes first, and once again, you know he, he's got jelly legs, but once again, he kills it. He finishes it in 50.73 seconds. He's got jelly legs. You can see his pull is great, but that sprint, it's just real slow. Uh, 50.73. He gets it done, and now we're looking at Shalasi. Shalasi shot, but apparently this guy's talking to Shalasi. This guy's saying, like, you got to get this done. You got to get this done. Apparently Mark Strange is one of them. Hey, man, look, I know you, I know you feel tired. But you got to get it done. And for me, as a coach, who I also take a lot of accountability for these guys' health, I don't want anybody getting themselves in a bad spot by overdoing it at this training. I want to push them to the right level but not beyond it where it's unhealthy. I'm looking in Chalese's eyes to make sure that he, he's not in a such serious health situation where he can't. And I can see he's not in that point. He's just kind of – he's tired, but I could tell that he could finish. I've trained him long enough. I've been in this situation long enough to know that he's not going to just – literally pass out during the drill. And the thing that I had in my back pocket was was if he looked shot and he lost to he wine traps time I already beat him, I was just gonna end the drill. Or if he looked shot and looked unable to finish, I was just gonna end the drill. Anyway, Shalasi, he's doubting it. He goes over. I'm like, hey Shalasi, like think about this. What are you gonna tell your girlfriend at the end of this day? Are you gonna tell her you quit? Or are you gonna tell her I came in here and I gave it everything I had? Or maybe I pulled off some sort of miracle. So Shalasi gets up, goes and he says, I'm doing it. I'm gonna go do the drill. Gets down, does the drill, and uh, you could tell he's shot. He's not going to pass out, but he's shot. Like, he can't even get the sled pull in, which is something he was killing during the workout. And he, he struggles, but he gets through the drill. He finishes at 1 minute and 6 seconds. So Weintraub is the winner. Weintraub is, has won with 50.73 seconds. And Chalasi, he comes, he, he got the loss, but this kid is tough. And I'll tell you how tough he is. When I coached him, when he was a senior in high school, he broke his leg. On the, in the first game of the season. The first game of the season, he breaks his leg. He's back six weeks later playing. That's right. Broke his leg. I'll say it again. Broke his leg. His femur. First game of the season. Came back on the sixth game of the season. Now, that's also I know this kid's tough. Is that I recruited him out of tight end. He was, the year before, as a junior, he was playing tight end. And he was just perfect every time. Killing people on power. Killing people on sweep. He, you could see he would just crush the line down. He'd make a wall, make that wall that Coach Hench always talks about. I'm like, we need this kid. We need this kid at linebacker. And I, I truly believe that if he didn't break his leg in the first game of the season, we're a completely and totally different team. Now, he played with Weintraub. So think about how good our defense was. We had Shalasi in the middle, and then we had Weintraub, who's arguably the best ever outside linebacker I've ever seen at stopping any sort of a perimeter run. And, and I'm going to probably piss off a lot of linebackers that I coached, but this is how good he was, is that teams just stopped running outside his way. Like, literally just stopped. I'm not talking about off-tackle or handbag or power to his side. I'm talking about a jet sweep. They just could not run that play to his side. It was impossible. Uh, like a, a, a bubble pass to his side. He just shut it down. He had this knack for it. He was the, the best I've ever seen at it. Uh, he he would slip around blockers as if they weren't there and just make a tackle one-on-one with arguably some of the best athletes in the city. So th- these guys on the same defense was sick. It's sick that they went head-to-head, and it's also sick that Weintraub decided to go first, and it's sick that Shalasi decided to fight through whatever he thought was going on. And then afterwards, you get all these texts from these guys like, 
it's great. Like, I can't believe he finished. So he inspired everyone else around him to find whatever that next level was. I'm not saying to train stupid. I'm not saying to train till exhausted. This is not what we do at advanced training. It just happened to be one of those days in a challenge. We, we, we really like to feed the cats. That's our term. We want to feed the cats. We want people to train fast. But there are times you've got to dig within your soul and find that next level. In fact, during the workout, you know, I, I looked around and guys were just getting tired. Guy, this is not even during the challenge. This is during the workout. Guys were getting tired. And that you could just say, that, man, I want this thing to be over with. I want this thing to be over with. And I brought the crew up. I, I think I've never done this before during a workout. But I just, I just didn't like the way that guys were getting beaten by the drill versus beating the drill. And we talked, brought the crew in and we just had a quick talk about round 14 of Rocky. Round 14 of Rocky. And if you haven't seen it, just go Google, put on YouTube, go to, just put in round 14. And in round 14 of Rocky, he's fighting Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed is giving him everything he's got. He is beating the life out of Rocky Balboa. I've talked about another uh, podcast before, but I'll talk about it again. And he knocks Rocky to the ground, and Apollo Creed thinks it's over. And then Rocky gets up, and you can see that he took the soul of Apollo Creed just by getting up. Apollo Creed was like, what else do I need to do to this man? I can't. I can't give him any. I gave him everything I got, and he's still getting up. So look these guys in the eyes and said, look, this is round 14 right now. This is round 14. Screw the prowler. Screw the farmer's wall. Sorry, the, the, the sled. Screw the sliders. Beat it. We got one round. Like we go, we're going in four rounds. We did four cycles of it. We got one cycle left. This is our round 14. Let's go. And man, Shalasi, he, he embodied that round 14. He embodied it when he got up, and he inspired other people. You know, I don't know what it is that they're going to do differently, but hopefully when you think about giving up, you think about Shalasi getting back up, getting back on a horse. And when you think about being an admirable human being, you think about Weintraub wanting to go first, you think about Baraji uh, rearranging his own schedule to make sure that this worked and giving this guy a shot to compete against him. So Baraji maybe second guess, oh man, I shouldn't have let this happen. No, Baraji. In my mind, you did the right thing. And maybe I'm like Ned Stark, right? Maybe I'm the guy that's always doing the right thing and getting his head chopped off in the beginning of Season 1 of Game of Thrones. Spoiler for people that have watched it already. But when you watch Game of Thrones, what I like about it is that people from the beginning of the show to the end of the show... They always talk about Ned Stark as an honorable man, as he did the right thing, and with honor, and they respect him, and they want to be like him, and maybe some of the great things he did paved the way for his kids. So yeah, you might say, well, it's easier to just be a bad guy. Bad guys finish first, right? Nice guys finish last. But man, to me, Barrage, you have my respect. Weintraub, you have my respect. Shalace, you have my respect for the things that went on on this Saturday in this challenge where there are, are high stakes. At least in our world, it's high stakes. You get a big fat belt. Right? That's what I said to Shalace right before he we went. There's a big fat belt at the end of this thing, man. There's a big fat belt. It's, it's giant. weighs like 30, 40 pounds. Sling that thing over your shoulder. So there's a lot at stake in our world. You go down in a dance training history. You go on the internet as a winner. Boom, there's a wall of all the winners that ever won this challenge. And the crazy thing about the challenge is that only one person has ever won it twice. So this challenge is crazy. We've had guys win multiple tough men. We've Ryan Smith win it four years in a row. Sarno won it a couple times. Tronzo won it a couple times. Like, we've had guys win this, the tough man multiple times. But you don't have guys. It's very odd that a guy will win the challenge multiple times because there's so many variables. There's so many things that can happen. So for the guys that lost, don't kick yourself over it. 
For the guys that won, I tip my hat to you. So now, in the championship, next week, we're going to have Weintraub against Galley. Weintraub against Galley. And these are two guys I've been talking about a lot this entire year. I'm glad it's coming to this. And as Weintraub said, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I know Galley was not the one seed, but there were many times during this season where he's a scary dude. And there was also many times during this season where I said, do not sleep on the future. Do not sleep on this guy. And here it is, head to head. I cannot wait until next week. I cannot. I'm actually like getting goosebumps on the back of my head. The challenge is set. The challenge is already ready. It was written. It's written down. Uh, Weintraub, it's going to be something that, that you, that you, Weintraub, have never seen before. And that's my little mini hint right there. It's going to be like something you've never seen before, Weintraub, this challenge. Or maybe you saw bits and pieces of it over the course of the season, but you never saw it all together. All right, lastly, with all this insanity going on, there was one even crazier thing that happened afterwards. So we were doing our PowerPoint testing, where we're getting got, we're going back to the old school. We're doing it at a gym. We're doing it now on a field where we're testing out our PowerPoints. And one of the events in the PowerPoints was sliders for 10 seconds. And again, it's a scorched earth Saturday. The ground's all dry. Jimmy Yuski, he's back. He's back. Guy's been gone for like, I don't know, a year. He's back now. It's like three weeks in a row. And uh, he's always been a slider expert. Anyway, Jimmy Yuski does his sliders. And about like halfway through, he one of his sliders gives out. And uh, he still finishes 25 yards. Yes. So to put it in perspective, the fastest guy of anyone is Galley. He got 27 yards, both sliders, and I would guarantee it was on uh, not a scorched earth day. 27 yards. Galley, the number number guy, the guy going into the championship right now, I think he's the number two seed. Guy's awesome. 27 yards. Yuski, one slider, 25 yards. Welcome back, Jimmy Yuski. Pretty sick. Uh, it's going to be very scary to see what this guy can do if he actually keeps two sliders. And he and he's been he's been out of commission for about a year. The other crazier thing is that um, we're kind of texting back and forth later on in the day, and uh, somehow Yuski is golfing with Cortese and his dad. How? I think it was random. I think they went both went to a golf course. There wasn't enough people, so they teamed them up, and now these two advanced training guys that have probably never hung out outside of advanced training are hitting golf balls together. I don't know where. I would consider it a waste of a Saturday, but I'm not a big golf guy. I'm not. Who am I to judge what they're doing on their Saturdays afterwards? Anyway, to make it even more crazy... The got with all the PowerPoints with sliders. The first guy, Galley, 27 yards. The second guy, Cortese, 25 yards. Tied with him is now Yuski, 25 yards. So uh, I think they should have been doing sliders on that golf course versus golfing. But that's pretty sick that the guys tied for number two randomly end up golfing together on a Saturday after training. So that's it, people. That's this week's summary. Tune in next week to hear about what happens with this championship. It's going to be a good one. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by MicroSky, your one-stop shop for IT and computer services. Now, I've been a customer of these guys for years, and here's why. They make things easy. My computer had died. They came, picked up my computer, recovered all my data, and then set me up with a new computer in three days. Fully loaded, I just press the on button, and I'm ready to go. Made my life super, super easy. Now, they don't only specialize in computer repair. They also specialize in cloud backup, data recovery, cybersecurity, and IT support plans. Do not be like me. Do not wait until your computer dies to get in touch with these guys. Visit microskyms.com slash contact. Microsky, that's S-K-Y-M-S dot com slash contact. If you want a free month of cloud backup, 
make sure you put AT2020 in the referred by field in the contact form. Again, that's AT2020. Do not wait like I did. Contact them today.